You're listening to Level Up's Emerging Market Series with Melissa Zalou from IronSource and Tom Wyman, Senior Market Analyst at Newzoo. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. This is the latest episode in our exciting series on emerging or growth gaming markets, which I'm co-hosting with Tom Wyman, who's a senior market analyst at Newzoo. After a great discussion in our last episode about the Indian gaming market, today we'll be focusing on Turkey. And our guest today is Emre Tash, who's CEO of Turkish hypercasual game studio, Elictus. Emre, Tom, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yep, my pleasure. Uh, Emre, you're the uh, the CEO of one of Turkey's leading mobile game studios. And, and I mean, perhaps it's also worth kind of uh, saying that when we... When we're looking, I mean, ostensibly this series is about emerging game markets, but in many ways, Turkey is is a relatively mature emerged or, or emerging market. Um, what's been your sort of your personal journey uh, in the gaming industry? How did you end up uh, as the sort of CEO and founder of Elictus? Okay, yeah, sure. So I uh, mean, so this may be a little bit a long answer, uh, as I will uh, tell you a bit more about Elictus. So, uh, Alictus is a self-funded independent gaming studio in Turkey, and my co-founder and Ajam, uh, we founded the company about almost seven years ago. So today we are 20 people in the company and still growing in numbers. We love making games, turning bold ideas into beautiful products and technologies. And above all, we love working with people who are crazy enough to do so. So. Uh, I will dive into our journey a little bit deep, as I think founders in the early times especially can find it interesting. So, uh, Alictus, it was founded in 2013. We bootstrapped the company early few years and then started to make our own games and self-published them. This is how, actually, we have a brand name called Clown Games, and it was born by the end of 2016. And Clown Games became our publisher brand, as we wanted to separate the company and the publisher identities back then. And 2017 and 18, we worked a lot on that IO games on mobile and ended up creating just around 20 games by that time. So those games eventually acquired more than 40 million players without any paid user acquisition or editorial featuring. So simply put, uh, we worked hard at that time to apply growth-taking techniques with heavy ASO and brand building. And even today, we have, have a YouTube channel with more than 1 million subscribers, which we had brought up in those days. So, uh, and starting in 2019, we thought it was the right time for Alictus to jump on the hyper-casual train. We invested a lot in growth technologies, built fantastic systems for business and market intelligence, and also automation. So we diversified our team structure, had new members to strengthen our data-driven perspective, while keeping and actually even empowering uh, creative freedom right in the middle of the culture. So last year in 2019, we released four titles, uh, all of which have become sustainably profitable. Boaz.io, Spear.io, Artball3D, and Collectives. And this has always been our goal with our titles, to have sustained, long-lasting, profitable products. And among all four, Collect Cubes is the one that has brought the most joy to Elictus, being number one overall app for a period of time and staying in top 10 games for many months. And we were only 10 people while doing that all that last year. 
And this year, we already released two new titles. One is called Brick Merch. It sits between a hyper-casual and casual puzzle. And just three days ago, we released another title, Jewel Shop 3D, right now climbing charts in the United States as we speak. So for us, 2020, we have a solid-looking pipeline, and I hope we will see more of those games this year. Uh, thank you very much. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting uh, story, Emran, and one I think we'll probably want to dive into various elements of uh, later on. But Tom, maybe just to kind of give us the Newsu perspective and, and kind of a wider look at the history of the Turkish gaming market. Um, was, was the market sort of mobile first um, or were traditional video games also big there? What's, been, what's growth been like over the last few years? What's, what's the, the evolution of this market? Uh, yeah, sure. I can uh, I can uh, talk about that. Um, so uh, you mentioned it at the beginning already, but uh, Turkey is kind of an odd one out in the markets recovering in this series because it's um, can hardly be classified as an emerging market. Uh, it's really uh, it's still growing fast. It's a growth market, but it was already um, it was already quite sizable before the whole mobile gaming revolution happened, um, and that is still true um but at the same time mobile gaming is growing really fast as well um, and the combination of these two factors actually make it that that turkey breaks into our uh, top 20 uh, markets by game revenues um and has been for uh, for the past few years so um definitely it started with uh, pc gaming console gaming actually very much like some of the other um some of the closer countries from the european side uh, at least um Right now, there's about a little over 30 million gamers in Turkey, so that's uh, that's quite uh, quite a lot, um, and that is still going to grow almost um, a little over eight percent every year, uh, at least for the following three years. Uh, with many of that growth, uh, of course, coming to the uh, to the mobile segment. Um, same is actually true in terms of revenues. Uh, most of that growth is coming on mobile, um, but uh, PC and console gaming is very healthy as well. Amazing, and and so we've talked a lot about um, growth, uh, which is and, and clearly Turkey's mobile game industry is, has grown quite significantly in recent years. Um, also, in terms of acquisition, so we've had Zynga buying Gram Games uh, in 2018, and, and also Peak Games um, selling uh, part of their company for 100 million the year before. What are kind of some of the factors that are driving this growth, um, and, and kind of what sets Turkey apart? Um, we've talked about the fact that it's relatively mature. Why is it that it's managed to mature so fast? Do you think? Yeah, so perhaps actually the reason uh, these are tied together, um, and I'm sure Emre can attest or maybe talk about this later a little bit as well, um, but the fact that there already is a, a local development scene that is um, to the point where you see these big, uh, big money acquisitions going on, these 250 million, 100 million acquisitions of uh, Turkish game developers. Um, and I think, but again, um, looking to the perspective of Emre as well, that Part of the reason that this is happening is because uh, Turkey was already uh, quite a big country in terms of gaming and in terms of people that are playing games, which led to people wanting to work in games, develop their own games, uh, which made it so that uh, they were making these games that were popular across the world so they could be uh, acquired by a large mobile publisher such as Zynga. Uh, so I, I think the, these two are, are sort of connected. Uh, but Emre, perhaps you can comment on that as well. 
Yeah, uh, Tom, I, I, I agree with you on that. And uh, maybe we can add on top of that the, the success of the technical universities in Turkey. So there are lots of very good technical universities in Turkey, which eventually uh, helped Turkish game development scene to have like very uh, solid, strong uh, game developers. And then uh, the talent wasn't an issue for, for Turkish game uh, development companies to rise in the last uh, decade. And today, what we currently saying is that in, in one particular sense, is that uh, some, some of those talents are now starting their own gigs. And on the other hand, this is like uh, enabling lo- a lot more new developers to like take a dive into uh, this, uh, this industry, because now, uh, I guess people are more inclined to say that, okay, gaming industry is an option for a career now. And then uh, this uh, removes the very big uh, barrier that had been around uh, for the country for, for, the last, uh, for the last 10 years, maybe. And Emre, you've, you talked about Alictus making a decision to start investing in, in hyper-casual games. Uh, what genres of mobile games, um, and, and really this is a question for both of you, but I guess maybe Tom, you can take it first. What genres of mobile games are particularly popular in Turkey? Um, and, and which ones actually do you think have the most potential for growth? I think um, what's happening in Turkey is very much a, a reflection of what's happening in, in the broader world uh, around it. Uh, last year and the year before, um, shooter games on mobile uh, really uh, if you forgive me, exploded a little bit in the sense that uh, PUBG Mobile uh, grew very fast 2018 and throughout 2019, and now Call of Duty as well, the mobile edition. Um, at the same time as we see mobile gaming moving more towards these uh, core experiences, hyper-casual is growing really fast as well, and we're sort of seeing these two diverging paths, but both can be very successful. Maybe I, I, I can add the perspective from uh, from a player side and then, then a developer side. Uh, from play player perspective, casual puzzle and board games are particularly strong genres in Turkey, mostly I can say due to the cultural re- reasons. Uh, and this is especially for board games because, I mean, we used to play those board games uh, offline and then it became online and then uh, we see the uh, Zynga acquiring like, uh, board games off the peak. And nevertheless, the games in both genres are already very matured. And in my opinion, the market is already at its peak in terms of size for this genre. On the other hand, like PUBG or any other mid-core mobile games, or maybe games with social layers, have a really large user base in Turkey. In the last few years, we also started to see international companies to allocate more resources for their Turkey operations given that there is an uptrend in spendings of players in free-to-play games. Uh, on the other hand, from the developer's perspective, uh, I wouldn't really watch for like fully ad-based games to operate in Turkey, given that we are a hyper-casual publisher and then Turkey shouldn't be in the top of our list uh, at this moment. Mm-hmm. And aside from Elictus Emre, who are the sort of uh, big players uh, of the mobile gaming scene right now in Turkey? Well, uh, so especially hyper-casual gaming in mobile is booming in Turkey. 
we see lots of new developers and publishers are showing up almost every month. And after the success of Turkish hypercasual publishers like Woodjob Games, we also we have seen a boom in hypercasual publisher companies in Turkey last year. Unfortunately, we, we also seen most of them have disappeared even before they appeared, so to say. And on the other hand, a few of those have got a better foothold in the market, such as uh, Relic Games being one of them. Uh, on the game development front, small size studios are being formed every other day, and they are trying novel ideas with local and global hypercasual publishers. I see this trend very positive, and hopefully it will be a driving force for Turkish game development industry uh, in this uh, in decade. Uh, returning to your question uh, about like the the who, who is already there, uh, I can mention Ruby Games and Bigger Games, uh, and also maybe Pantheon with their recent success with Home Restoration game. And also, it may be also worth mentioning Koda and Unico, as their founders are also Turkish. So um, apart from those, there are like dozens of in independent developers or smaller studios working with publishers all around the world. And it wouldn't be odd to see uh, new and fresh successes uh, anytime soon. But then it's not only happening in hypercasual. Like there are highly promising startups formed or to be formed in other genres too. Uh, Dream Games has set a good example for the market and for the investors' appetite for new journeys to be led by uh, trained and qualified people who had their experiences in ecosystems, strong companies. So uh, what's more is that um, although we cannot yet quite easily set examples for local talents to stay than going abroad, we already started to see more and more people are staying in Turkey or even coming back after years of working abroad, thanks to improved quantity and quality of studios in Turkey with recent successes. So this is why maybe uh, Tom is right about like Turkey is becoming more uh, emerged uh, gaming industry than emerging ones. And I'm really very positive that this momentum will grow to this direction in the next few years. Uh, Emre, uh, thank you, thank you for for uh, speaking on this. Um, I was wondering if you can a little elaborate a bit on what the state of competition at the moment is. Um, you mentioned that there is a mix of uh, smaller, newer studios and big companies uh, entering the market. Uh, would you say that those big companies dominate the market, or is it still accessible for new and small developers? Well, uh, I think domination of big companies in casual space is. Uh, very apparent right now because the playbook of uh, inner purchase driven casual is well written and established. But that being said, uh, solid game design stepping into relatively less saturated audiences can still enable building success stories, I guess. So, although the market is fairly dominated, there may be still room for new studios. But then the billion dollar question here uh, should be that. Uh, if there are any such audiences left that we can tap into and what those are. What those are. Um, I think this hypercasual space can answer that or it is already answering by testing like lots of new, fresh, novel ideas as rapidly as possible. So hypercasuals evolving into casual uh, might uh, unlock new potentials uh, in that sense. Uh, on the other hand, the for the hypercasual, uh, the answer to this question might be a bit more tricky 
because the playbook is right now well written, but not very established yet, and it is still evolving. So uh, the state of the competition is hyper casual. What's, what's like? Is it accessible for newcomers? Uh, I must say it is neither totally blocked or open for all. In my opinion, especially now, it is time to act uh, for hyper casual developers, time to adapt because the playbook is changing, the market is changing, market is evolving. Uh, today, for any developer around the world, including Turkey, it is fairly easy to connect with a publisher. For any publisher, given that there is a qualified game in their hands and given that they know what they are doing and most importantly, they are capable of doing that, the market is still accessible for new publishers too. And then it is completely a statistics game. It's almost purely performance. But then there is a big competition in almost every step. For developers, it is to engage the attention of a publisher, to test their ideas, to have timely feedback from publishers, to iterate and release a profitable title. All of those are like some somewhat big frictions for small size, mid-sized companies. And uh, given that there are tons, tens of thousands of games being produced to be submitted to publishers every month, if not more, and given the number of meaningfully profitable games getting launched in a year, odds are not very high to be successful. But then we see lots of success over and over again against all those. So what I think is that for game developers in Turkey, perseverance and deep understanding of the dynamics around the game to cut, the, cut down the need for feedback from publishers is the key for game developers. Uh, if I like keep going and tell you a bit more about the uh, state of the competition for publishers, uh, I can say that state of competition for publishers is changing even more interestingly. For new publishers, and actually even for the current ones, the market is getting even fiercer. As we see, the market is evolving into a new type of publishing norm. As networks and platforms are getting into the party, things are getting much more challenging for everyone in that area. Sourcing right developers and games were previously depicted as a competitive advantage for publishers. And today, all of a sudden, networks and uh, platforms and publishers of networks and platforms eliminated this perception, like instantly. So I wouldn't be betting on starting a new publishing business unless I have a strong competitive advantage against publishers of networks and platforms. For current publishers, without network and publisher ties, uh, networks and uh, platform ties, uh, doors might be closing, and I think they have to gravitate towards a better alternative. And for us, for a fairly small number of companies like Electus, who do both development and self-publishing, I think it's time to focus more on games and more on partnerships and uh, put multiplying our efforts with strong technologies. Unlike others treating games as black boxes or growth as black boxes, companies like us have the capacity of understanding every aspect of our game and its data and how to comment it. So yes, uh, Melissa, our friends at Iron Source, are, as you are telling, uh, growth is a loop and you are able <laughs> to comment every part of that loop, including the game, UA and monetization operations. I believe a company can create a very solid edge in the market, uh, having the right synergy and organizational structures, enabling gaming and growth teams speak and work together should be the key there. 
to, so uh, again, very long answer for your question, Tom. Uh, to sum everything up, the market is evolving, I guess, once again and creating new opportunities for anyone at any size. Uh, so there are opportunities, although there's a very big domina domination of big companies in current areas, but there, there are new opportunities emerging every other day. Co companies who are really ready, I think they will reap the fruits. Thank you for that very uh, in-depth answer, Emre. I, I feel like we probably could have had a whole episode maybe just on, on competition uh, in the Turkish market, but uh, it's a story for another time. Um, you talked uh, a little bit about um, the differences between kind of um, IAP games and, and hyper-casual or, or more um, ad-based games. Um, and and I, I'll ask you, Emre, and then Tom, I think you should also, uh, would be interesting to hear Nuzu's perspective. But how big, what's the sort of proportional split in the Turkish game market of kind of um, IAP versus more ad-based games? Uh, and, and have we seen in-game spending evolve over the last few years? Um, are Turkish gamers spending more? Um, is advertising revenue or, or ad revenue as a, as a revenue stream for game developers increasing in importance? I realize I've just asked you seven questions. <laughs> Feel free to take whichever one you want. <laughs> I'll uh, leave it to Emre to answer first. I think I'm, I'm uh, curious to hear his perspective. Uh, for Turkish market, I think I might struggle to answer because, I mean, IAP is not like something we do and then Turkish market alone that we don't really operate a lot in Turkey uh, so given those two facts I, I would say uh, I, what I would assume is that uh, IAP should have a big portion uh, in Turkey whereas ad revenues uh, can, cannot cover the bills I can attest to what you were saying, indeed, that um, uh, in-game spending is, is relatively far larger than, than advertising revenues are. Um, even though that Turkey has quite a large population, quite a lot of them are, are gamers, um, that is not enough to just focus on the, the Turkey market if you are trying to monetize through advertising. Um, In-game spending, however, is um, quite high uh, compared to, again, compared to other emerging markets. Um, the, the average spend for a mobile player is uh, well above um, what, for example, uh, the, the current situation is in, in um, India or Southeast Asia that we talked about in previous episodes. Um, so it's, it's very profitable, well, very profitable. It's very manageable to monetize through in-game spending in Turkey and through Turkish mobile gamers. And to answer the question, where will that grow in the coming years? Well, that's uh, thankfully for all of us working in this industry, the, the, the only way there is up uh, that's going to continue to grow. Uh, so, Amber, um, I already mentioned Turkey has a large population, large online population, and over 30 million of those identify or classify as gamers, both mobile gamers, but also PC gamers, console gamers. And as we have seen from uh, what's been happening in the recent years, that's a very attractive market for foreign developers as well. Uh, Tencent is active. They're the first time they launched any game um, under their known name outside of China was Arena of Valor in Turkey. Uh, Epic Games, Riot Games have a larger presence in Turkey than anywhere else in the region. 
Um, can you answer, uh, talk to us about how Turkey is such an attractive starting point for these foreign companies uh, looking to uh, enter this market and perhaps understand more of the uh, region around it as well? I think definitely the young gamer population uh, is the answer here. I mean, to the contrary of some other countries, uh, the playtime of people uh, does not decline as people get older in Turkey. I mean, once people in their 20s, uh, if they're engaged with a game, uh, it is fairly common to say that they're an active player, if not weaver of the, of the game, in their 30s as well. And on top of that, the socioeconomic and the cultural status of Turkey uh, result in people having quite a long screen time. And then, and then they spend this time playing their favorite games over years. So uh, in Turkey, a strong game can turn into an evergreen intellectual, intellectual property. And, and it can stay that way for many years, I think. Uh, and on, on, the, on the other hand, that's like people love playing games in Turkey. The population is young and then population uh, prefers playing competitive games again prior to, uh, again, because of the, 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 the historical reasons in Turkey. There, there, were, there were like lots of gaming cafes, uh, internet cafes that people come together and then spend their uh, social times, uh, I would say. And then uh, as, the, as the technology became uh, more accessible for those people uh, in their life now, uh, I think they became very active players in the market. And then the spending is already there. Uh, uh, the only challenge and issue might be uh, for, for an international company to uh, get into Turkish markets uh, is localization, maybe. I mean, because w what I observe in the market is that if a game is not localized, uh, and I'm not just telling about telling you about the translation of text or images, etc. Really hardcore localized uh, content. Uh, it can struggle in Turkish market. And uh, I actually have an anecdote uh, of that. Uh, I, 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 I I was working for, for a couple of translation agent agencies before I found uh, Electus, uh, and and it was like before 2010. Uh, and I, I can say that um, I helped uh, some companies and some people to harvest their crops, crops back in like the heyday of the Facebook games in around 2010. So uh, what we observed back then is that after the game was localized in Turkish market, then the, the growth of the game was, and all of those games were uh, enormous. That's um. I've, well, you've anticipated uh, our, one of our next questions, but but maybe I'll sort of take it to a different a different angle. Uh, if localization is important, how how important is having a local office? I think earlier on, one of you mentioned that um, you know, well, first of all, Tom, you said that many games have larger presence in Turkey compared to kind of other uh, uh, countries in the region, um, and I think one of you mentioned that. Uh, more and more companies are, are setting up or investing in their local Turkish operations. Is having a local office and a local team critical to success inside the Turkish market? Uh, I, I guess it is, especially for PC and console games and maybe some uh, mid-core uh, mobile games because then the the customer success, the uh, player engagements through the 
customer success will be very essential. So uh, probably uh, it, it will not be like uh, a requirement for those companies to have a development studio in Turkey, but then uh, have a local persona uh, might do the trick uh, to touch the player base. Mm -hmm. and, and what about sort of flipping the perspective, um, not talking about succeeding inside the Turkish market, but rather for a Turkish developer or a studio um, looking to succeed outside of Turkey. Uh, how, what are sort of, how does Elictus approach uh, global launches? Um, and do you localize your games for outside the Turkish market? Mm -hmm. um, so what we do, I mean, we develop our games for the, for the international audiences and uh, mostly for the English-speaking market, and, uh, recently China and APEC. So uh, what we do, I mean, we don't really localize our games because we are making hyper-casual, we are making like instant, very approachable uh, content. And most of, most of the time, uh, they are not like, uh, they don't have any text or content that can be localized. Like It's purely for mass audience, uh, for anyone in the global uh, arena. So uh, we don't uh, apply lots of localizations. That being said, uh, for APAC, uh, we do localize like the title of the game and then the store description, uh, store uh, visuals, etc. Uh, but most of the time, it doesn't apply to game itself because game is uh, fairly um, easy to understand for uh, anyone in the world. Mm -hmm. And what advice, uh, let's say it's one of those um, new uh, small studios cropping up uh, in the Turkish gaming scene coming to you uh, and asking for your advice on how to kind of crack a good global launch? What kind of advice would you give them? Um, well, uh, I can answer for the ad-based games. So working with the right partners, uh, right technology and infrastructure uh, is the key. And then it's all about like testing hypotheses and applying them as frequent as possible. And if you're really well equipped and you can do that fairly easily to some extent, as there are accessible solutions to help you make better monetization decisions and growth decisions. Uh, and I guess maybe the most important thing is to be informed at all times, whether it is by like talking with your partners, reading a blog, or even listening to this podcast. And, <laughs> and I can say that for a special note for Turkish developers, uh, okay, we, are, we were emerging, we are emerged, and then the uh, Turkish game development scene is uh, going to be growing uh, and this is this should be the time for Turkish game developers and I think we should make good use of this time mm -hmm. well thank you uh, very much for that answer and for that completely unofficial plug of the podcast <laughs> um, I did not tell him to say that um, and, and really thank you both uh, for being on the show today it's been super interesting um, to, to talk about Turkey and after we stop recording Emre I'm going to talk to you about all the places uh, that I've been and how much I love the country uh, but that's not relevant for our audience for you guys um, thank you for listening as always and tune in uh, next episode to hear about more emerging game markets 